All right, let's do this. Merry Christmas, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck nicks, what's happening? It's what the fuck miss. I hope, I hope, hope your Christmas is going well. Good morning. Good, good Christmas morning to you. I hope you got everything you wanted. I hope that the family situation is okay. I hope that it was exciting. Presents are exciting. I hope that the food was good. I hope that you, I hope you're okay. I hope you're having a good day. Merry, Merry holidays to everybody of all kinds. But today is specifically Christmas morning. This show happened to fall on Christmas morning. And uh, I just hope it's, it's all bearable. I hope you're all right. I hope you're in the Christmas spirit. I hope there's no uh, yelling and screaming and crying or, or, or the need to run into the woods in the snow. I hope there's no you know, snowshoeing to get away, no cross-country skiing to get out to get out. So I hope I hope there's none of that. So today what we're going to do is uh, some bits from the show. Uh, these were from shows we did around Christmas in the first two years of doing the podcast. We're going way back. Uh, first, you'll hear me and Todd Glass from episode 32 in 2009 talking about dealing with going home for the holidays. Then we've got stuff from a live WTF Christmas show at the UCB Theater in Los Angeles featuring Sarah Silverman, Paul F. Tompkins, Jerry Minor, Eddie Pepitone, and Jim Earl. That was episode 33. And finally, a beautiful story from the late, great Mike DiStefano, who I talked to in Florida when I was there visiting my mom for the holidays. This was in 2010 on episode 130, and it's one of the best things that's ever been on the show. Uh, it was it was a pretty stunning story. So enjoy. So you went home for Thanksgiving? I, I, I didn't go home. I went home last Thanksgiving, but th- when you said that, it made me think of last Thanksgiving and also um, this Christmas. You reacted like it was just a couple yeah, weeks because, ago. Uh, because I'm dealing with it going home for Christmas. It's very... Uh, it's I, I, And again, like for my mom, it's just such... Everything is a it's a big production and it's like yeah i get to get the tree up and i live my life like the opposite like when i get ready for christmas i'm not kidding you to to me i'm like me pretending my mom's watching me and i want to say see how easy was that and here's what i have i have a box of stuff and it's in the garage two boxes of christmas it's in a it's in a even a green and red box you buy it home depot so i know there's christmas yeah I pull it out, I walk it into the house, and I put it on the sofa. Then I have a little bit of coffee. Then I start pulling things out of the box. That goes up there. All I know, 10 minutes later, all the Christmas stuff is out. And then the other box is stuff for the tree. Right. And that gets neatly put near the door. Uh Maybe two days later, I buy a tree. The stand's already on it. Yeah. I come into the house, I put it up, and... um. I just slowly, you know, three or four here. I have some friends over. Everyone put up two two things on my tree, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's done. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I go, Mom, what are you what, what are you doing? I did it. What are you doing? And I try to teach her. What but, did she do? Oh, I got to get the tree, and I got the lights, and I threw them out. I go, Mom, what happened to all the decorations? She goes, I threw them out last year. They were too, they were old. I go, Mom, that's what's cool about decorations. But I got to, and she did the thing, and I got to cook this. I go, don't cook. Stop. And I just try to, try to get her to enjoy her life. My brother said, you know what, Todd? Just maybe let her do her stuff. The minute you get her as calm as she needs to be, she might pass away, you know? <laughs> Like maybe that's what keeps her going, you know, because she acts like a thirty-year-old. So maybe I should just let her do it. It is thing. what keeps people going. I've seen it in comedy a lot. You're like, oh my god, is he? That guy still doing it? What else is he going to do? 
Like in my mind, if someone gave me a million dollars, I'd be like, great, I'm done. Wait, that's wait, but that's a good, you just said that because for what we do, you know, we, we if you love what you do, then it doesn't change it drastically, just what you can do. So if someone gave you $5 million right now, yes. do you know exactly what you would do? I yes, sort of do. I do. What? I, what? I, okay. I would, um, I'd make a decision right away to either like redo, like, you know, get my deck done. Uh, and, you know, but, maybe but, get... but up in the business, what about your, your, you would not, you'd still do stand up, wouldn't you? I would do stand up, but I would really reassess, you know, because the way I'm looking at it now, like I'm just starting to have some peace of mind in my life. I'm just getting over a lot of demons. I'm actually starting to, you know, feel comfortable with myself and enjoy certain things. I would probably have to make a list of like, what is like the 10 things that I would really enjoy doing, whether they be travel, how could I enjoy myself? Those would come first before like, you know, like, great, I'll put that in the bank and I'm going to go down to the UCB. You, you know, like there, there, there's an outside, there's an outside chance that if they give me a lot of money and I had a date booked at Giggles in Seattle, I'd be like, you know what, I'm canceling that. You, you know, but you know, usually in our business, the money comes with a certain amount of recognition. So you're telling me that I get five million dollars and like a hundred thousand new fans that love me, or am I just getting the five million dollars? Well, the five million. I always look at it this way. There definitely be. It's funny you go right to your deck because I and I think. Really? And I, but I go right to it's this dangerous. bathroom. It's I have a dang- bathroom I want to fix. It's and- dangerous out there. It's not that, like, I'm not a materialistic guy. I don't buy shit. I, you know, I don't spend money. But I think what I would probably do is I would think a bunch of places I really want to visit, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, you, ne- you never thought, like, because I always think that, too, and then I think... If you really believe that you're funny, you take some of that money and you produce your own HBO special or Comedy Central special and you submit it to them. And if you're, and if you're, if you're, you know, the odds are that if it's done right and it is funny, that you get a, you get a chance to go see. I did it myself and they loved it. Or do something like that where you would take out a. I always think about like if you took out a campaign and put billboards all over the city, but you had, but you had. I'm, I'm pulling that out of my butt. But and you, just you like understand. Have my, hey, have my picture and say, hey, I got money on HBO tonight. <laughs> 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 no, like if you were in a city and you had the money. Now it's different. You're not and most people that have money for billboards are people that don't have anything to do with their talent. Like who was that famous woman in L.A. that had the billboards? Okay, all so over? wait, so what you're asking me is something different now. So like, like I I love doing this podcast because no one can tell me what to do. It's just me and Brendan doing what we want to do with freedom of mind. I talk to who I want to talk to. No one can take it away from us, and I like that feeling. So I think if I had money to afford, you know, maybe getting you know someone to to work for me in a way of keeping me organized like you have perhaps have a publicist and then set up a bunch of dates that you know where i could you know rent a room and then publicize my own dates and that right. kind of stuff i would do that right i would also you know shoot uh, uh i would love to shoot a special but like in in my mind like a lot of times you do things and they're done and still just the same amount of people is going to come no matter what you do uh, you know what I mean? I've been around long enough to know that, like, I have fans. There's not millions of them, but they're loyal, and I like them, and they understand yeah. me. So if I could give them something, you know, that that they could come to, like a lot of people, I don't get out on the road much because, you know, for some reason, I'm unbookable in certain markets. Like certain clubs are like, I don't know, Marin is he's polarizing, he's you know, like whatever. But but I'd like to perform for the people that have never seen me, so I'd I'd right. figure that out. Well, you know, you know what I I realized from sort of just reacting to the tail end of what you said as far as like you know there's certain really good comedians and then you know they don't get used at some of the improvs or funny bones these five sometimes three to six hundred seat rooms um i i just saw something that reminded me of when i first started comedy i was in bloomington indiana yeah i want to do that room and you know what i realized i was realized that first of all they would love you to do that room and i realized 
that they don't have the, the overhead and all this stuff that makes it hard to bring in a comedian that maybe is a great comedian, respected. There was a 160-seat room. That's the best. And, I can give me a little room. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's so much better. 80 to 140 seats, it's great. What a great every night. I was like, it was just like being, it was like, it was just, it was all great. I would just go on stage. I started doing this. Uh, you ever, I used to look at it and think, oh, now I you ever sit on stage ever? Yeah. It's me. You're talking to Mark Maron. You sit, you sit. Yeah, on, I, I used to, I used to sit for the wrong reason, but now I, like I, when I was at the laughing skull, I sat for the entire show because a lot of guys were sitters and, and I like sitting. But what I, when I used to sit was like the moment where it's like, Oh my God, I'm not getting them. <laughs> so, so in order to counteract panic, panic, I'd be like, I'm failing. I'm going to sit. <laughs> and then I right. sit. But yeah. now I'm just sort of like, I like to see how much I can do from the chair because like I'm a guy that when I started there was a lot of bravado so I do a lot of the pacing and I'd be over here and I'd be over here and I you know I was big and I was up in their face and now like I'm sort of like you know what can I do just from the chair well if you think about it and again it's with everything you do whatever's right for you I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not uh, lobbying that everybody should sit but if you were talking to two just just as a just as a conversation concept if you and two people were uh standing and you bumped into somebody and, and you were talking and you and you decided hey you know what i got you have any time to kill eventually you would sit down right you're not going to stand so I'm like, why am i standing one night i said and it's still i do stand sometimes but when i sit i go i can concentrate more and i think that's why even as two human beings just hanging out somewhere and eventually if you're talking and 10 minutes goes by you go hey you want to grab a seat why what what because you know, well, we're talking we, we should sit and right. talk and right. concentrate on talking not walking and standing you know yeah. it's like now, as I think that, I'm so paranoid. I went, well, you could take a walk and talk. Sure. You could take a walk and talk. And certainly when you're making a presentation in front of people, it's probably better to stand. Yeah. And stand up comic. Uh, I'm going to go back to standing. All right, Todd. You want to stand up now? No. <laughs> what if we were both standing during <laughs> Let's the Let's sit down. <laughs> we, we sit down? Yeah, we should sit down. We're standing. Up. All right, we're going to sit down if you don't mind and have a real conversation. Awesome. Thanks for coming. This is the uh, this is going to be the Christmas show. So let's pretend like it's Christmas, shall we? Let's take a minute. Hmm. Let's talk to the people that are listening to this. This this show is going to go up on the 24th. So it's the day before Christmas. So let's assume there are people maybe traveling home. All right, they're on the plane by themselves, freaking out because they have fucking family to deal with. They're going back to a home that's uncomfortable, filled with abuse and pain. So let's just talk to them. All right, keep it together. All right, don't let them in. Keep them out. Remember, they're the ones that wired you. They can get into the box. <laughs> keep them out of the box. I don't usually tell people to lie, but this is a good time to start lying. Pretend that everything is okay. Sure, your mom will, will see through it, but fuck her. Just ride it out. All right, tell them you have things going on that you don't. Don't let them see the insecurity. And don't let your father hit you. All right, just, just hold on. Keep hold of the ship. Stay steady. And good luck. And Merry Christmas. Sorry, I just want to do that for the listener. I have to reach out to all people. Is everyone having a pretty good holiday season? You okay? Do you give a fuck? Seriously, do you care? I, uh, I'm a Jew. Is that, is that over yet? Are we done with that? What's that? Oh, shit. So I've got one more day to light my sad menorah at home with my cats. 
which I have not done up to this point because I refuse to do it alone. Because my, my brother, who's really Jewy, he once said, uh, last year, he's like, dude, you know, you're sad, you're alone. I think it's a good time to light the menorah. I'm like, how is that not the fucking opposite of that? You want me to sit there with my cat in a yarmulke in my kitchen, lighting a menorah by myself? Somehow this is good for you? I didn't do it that much when I was married either because my wife wasn't Jewish. She was quite the opposite of Jewish. She was like large and German. And, um, and by the way, who the fuck stole the uh, work will set you free thing off the gates of Auschwitz today? Did you hear about that? Someone fucking stole the, uh, I don't want to try and say it in German because I don't know German, but the thing that translates works to set you free right over the gate of Auschwitz was stolen last night. How, what the fuck? Someone is going get, to get a very unique Christmas present. Some skinhead is going to be thrilled. Oh my God, baby. This is better than the skin lampshade from last year. Maybe it'll show up like over the, uh, the Home Depot parking lot on Sunset. <laughs> the, um, where was I going with this? Oh, I remember. I remember. Last year. Oh, right. When I was married. And my wife does this thing. Because whenever you're a Jew and you're married to a non-Jew, and I'm not Jewy. A lot of you know that. But some of you accuse me of talking about it too much. That means I'm even less Jewy. Because when you talk about it a lot, that means you don't even fucking bother with candles or any other bullshit. So my wife at the time, she goes, look, I think you should light the candles. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, no, she goes, I don't want to deny you that. I'm like, I haven't fucking done it in years. She goes, I want you to light your candles. So I fell for it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So it was the first night of Hanukkah. I'm standing there in my kitchen with my little yarmulke on, my little candle to light the other one like you do. And I'm standing there next to my non-Jewish wife. And I'm saying the prayer, you know, Baruch atah and I hear her go, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is that? What are you laughing at? And she's like, no, I just think it's wonderful. I'm like, no, you can't say that when you're suppressing laughter. She goes, no, I just, I'm really touched that you're doing. No, you're not. You're sitting there thinking, look at this silly Jew man with a silly Jew hat singing his silly Jew song. So that's over. But you know that. All I want for, uh, for Konica, I don't get any presents. You know why? Because I don't give any. I got three Christmas cards. I'm not complaining. It's fine. Except one of them is from someone I don't know. And this is the second year I've gotten one from her. <laughs> you ever, has that happened to you? Like she writes her name, Jana. Are you here? I got a card. The second year of the road, Jana sent me a card. The address is somewhere out by the LAX airport. I have no fucking idea who she is. And I don't know if I want to pursue it. Maybe that's part of the game. Yeah, I don't want to get... What was I going to say? I want a cleaver. I want a cleaver for Christmas. I want a large cleaver, like a big one. Because I've gotten into the coconut water because they say it's really good for you. And it tastes so good. But you ever drank it right out of a fucking coconut, like at a Thai restaurant? That's the best. And I bought a couple of those coconuts. And I brought them home, and I had to hack them open, and, and it didn't work out so well. But so, so I think if I had a cleaver, I could do it very precisely. And then on top of that, I realized that if I could do that with some confidence every morning with a whole coconut, that means every day I wake up, it will feel like I just shipwrecked on, a, on an island. 
How wouldn't that be a great way to start a day? Just hack, open up a coconut, and just be like, oh, oh God. <laughs> That's a big idea. Let's get the show going. My first guest, you can applaud. Merry Christmas. My first guest you may know from uh, uh, Delocated on Adult Swim. He's just shot his second season of that. He was in the beer league uh, with Artie uh, Lang. And he's also was a star, uh, one of the stars on Lucky Louie. Please welcome Jerry Minor to the stage. Hello, Jerry. Hello. How are you? Fine. This is a weird guy thing. Do you want to cross, cross swords? <laughs> Ooh. Okay. We just rub tips now you have of microphones. You want a cookie? Now Jazz you have HPV. Them. You have HPV? I don't have Oh, do I have HPV? Is that what you gave me for Christmas? Who doesn't have HPV? Let's show hands. Exactly. Um, you said by, by, the, by the time a woman is like 60 years old, she has an 80% chance to have it. It's a great opening thing. Thanks for bringing it up. You know what I mean? Because uh, when I think, like, what are we going to start with? Where are we going to go? Most women are doomed to ovarian cancer from HPV <laughs> infection by age 60. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey, don't do nothing to men, so. <laughs> Good few approach. Warts. Good Put approach. A few warts, you're fine. <laughs> Wait till they pass and go infect the ladies. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? That's right. All right, Cherry. Let's talk about something else. Hey, what about Christmas? Merry Christmas. Did you celebrate Christmas when you were a kid, Jerry? Uh, no, I did not. I, was, I grew up a, a one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Who what do the? Not, yeah. <laughs> Are you they, serious? So They do not celebrate uh, I was wondering, any holidays. Yeah. I was running that today because my the guy who lives across the street from me, Terry, he's a Jehovah's Witness, and I knew he was a Jehovah's Witness. Like, I did that thing where I'm like, hey, happy holidays. And he's like, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> they don't do that. Now I'm some heathen across the street who doesn't really have a holiday of his own that he likes, and yet I've insulted him. So how do you? What do they do? I mean, what do you, you were brought up in this? Yeah, they don't celebrate any holidays, no birthdays, no Christmas. I think the only celebration that they claim to have is uh, the memorial for Christ's death, which would basically be Good Friday to everybody. So the only holiday they celebrate is the uh, the day signifying the day Christ was killed. Yes, that's like the opposite of Christmas. I know. When I was, in, when I was, <laughs> they went the whole other direction with direction. it. You know, I basically think that was the idea. I think that like, it started out with like, how can we go the opposite of Christmas? It wasn't like theological at all. It was like, how can we be the opposite? Yeah, Let's do the going, day die. Yeah. And not give gifts. That's. <laughs> Let's take things away from the kids. Yeah. Basically, yeah. We'll celebrate the day Christ died and we'll steal the kids' bikes. You know, I was I was told two stories when I was growing up mm. about birthdays because basically you're celebrating Christ's birthday on, on Christmas. Now, first of all, they go out and have a whole explanation that, and it's true that Christmas it wasn't the day that Christ was born. He was born probably around October, November. Um, if he even existed. <laughs> well, uh, not sure. They, yeah, have, they have certain things like they're like, well, how could the um, you know, the, the shepherds were out, and they, when they saw the star, how could that be in the winter? It's like, it's the fucking Middle East. Like, I know that. I knew that at six years old. Like, there's no snow out in the ground, dumbass. <laughs> Who cares? You take sheep out in the winter. Who gives a fuck? 
But that was her big explanation, like, oh, yeah, right, the winner. <laughs> and um, the other thing they would say is that the only, the only stories in the Bible that talk about a birthday were bad stories. And it was when Joseph, the, was gonna, the, the, the Technicolor dream coat. When they returned the coat all stabbed up and bloody? Right. Well, that story was That's when the, the guy, I remember. when he was about to get executed, that was at the Pharaoh's birthday party. Right. Okay, so then we're like, so birthdays are bad. <laughs> because of that? Yeah. And the only other birthday party I talked about was when John the Baptist got his head cut off. That celebrated too? That was at Herod's birthday. <laughs> so so like, birthdays are bad because they found the three incidents or two incidences in the, in the fucking Bible where yeah. it's like, well, birthdays mean you're going to get your pretty clothes all covered in fake blood and your brothers are going to be told that you're dead. And, <laughs> and the other one, what was the other one? <laughs> King Herod... Yeah, the, birthdays are bad because you, your head cut off. Right. Well, that's what you tell kids. I mean, what else are you going to tell them? You know? To scare the fuck out of them? No, exactly. I think that's perfect. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, was, I, I, had, I remember seeing in books uh, pictures of the great day of Armageddon and children. Like, there's like children in the pictures dying. Like, if you're a kid and you don't, you know, whatever, if you don't repent, I thought you're going to die too. was bad. But this is far worse than a Catholicism because uh, it's yeah, in it's English. True. There's no cryptic, weird wizards <laughs> and strange smoking orbs being swung yeah. about. <laughs> this is just in plain English. <laughs> Birthdays are bad because you lose your fucking head. Christmas is bullshit. Let's celebrate him getting strung up. Yes. Is there a hell in this fucking fantasy? Yeah. They do not believe in a uh, eternal hellfire, no. So what happens if you don't get into Jehovah Land or whatever? You die forever. No hope of any kind of afterlife. Well, that seems yeah. reasonable. I mean, that's the one reasonable part of the religion. Well, most religions have one reasonable thing in them. <laughs> I like that one. Either you go to heaven or nothing happens. Well, no, no, no. You don't go to heaven. There's only 144,000 people that get to go to heaven. So heaven's filled up? Well, that's the thing is that they, their, their prediction, it, their theology and their predictions. Yeah have been happening since 1914. It was a religion that started in the Great Awakening. So, in 1914? Yes. you got to watch those ones that are created after 1900. I, uh, they're, they're always a little flaky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so their idea is that, you know, that was the beginning of the end of times in that Armageddon is right around the corner, which you have to tell people that so you can get money and keep people to come to church. Right. It's always right around the corner. 1914. What's and supposed we're, to be the we're, end? And we're 2009 now, so it's like... <laughs> You know, it's amazing. People are still buying that story. I'm still buying it. Like a hundred years. Jesus Christ. Around the corner. I always wondered. That's that's Jesus it. Christ. It's a definition of an amazing salesman. When, when you have an apocalyptic preacher who literally tells a, a congregation of frightened people, the world will end on January 10th in a fiery ball of snakes and horrible things. And then January 11th comes. He's sort of like, well, you know, I guess it didn't happen this time. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to rethink it. We're going to rethink what we're going to do next. Like, how about the people that tell people to go underground in bunkers? You remember that woman? What did she say the day after that didn't fucking happen? Let's start a mushroom farm. <laughs> God told me to start a mushroom farm. It's business time for the Jesus people. I always love that, too. It was like, God is directly communicating with the heads of this organization. <laughs> oh, we didn't hear him right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, obviously God he, he is... He mumbled. He was eating. Yeah. Was the line... The, <laughs> the cell phone line was fucked up. Was that a, 
<laughs> Bad connection. He had a cookie in his mouth. Yeah. This is God on AT&T? Oh. God's map is all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like my mother saying, I don't understand the iPhone. <laughs> well, he's really old, so yeah. Yeah, that happens. God, God's, <laughs> just doesn't make God's sense. VCR is constantly blinking 12. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to take the Ten Commandments. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, Jesus, can you help me with this? What is it now? Dad. Oh, this thing won't work. <laughs> I wanted to take the basketball game and... Jesus, Dad, you're so old. <laughs> I'm the oldest. I know, Dad. You're the oldest. Can I go hang out with the people now? They'll kill you. <laughs> Why do you always got to fuck up my high, Dad? People are nice. They love me. Fuck you, Dad. I'm going anyway. <laughs> Cut to Jehovah's Witnesses celebrating the death of Christ. <laughs> Jerry Minor, folks. Thank Let's you. bring out Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> Moving on down. Let's bring out this next performer. You know him from the, the, the best week ever, and he's also got a, a show at Largo tomorrow night that is almost sold out, so you can still probably wedge your way in. Paul F. Tompkins, ladies and gentlemen. Paul F. Tompkins. Is this mic working all right? Do you hear people on can this you mic? Hear this is everything this good mic? in the booth? I'm the person talking on this mic. Thank you. They want a little more in the room, oh. as they say. Gotta get a little more in the monitor. This guy playing a little passive aggressive over there. It could be louder. So you're back here, man? I'm back in Los Angeles. See, we lived in New York at the same time for a year, and we saw each other once. Are you happy to be back? How's that? I'm very happy to be back. What happened? I didn't enjoy New York. I did not enjoy living there, no. I think think it's for young people who don't know when a city is trying to crush them. (laughs) Um... And I sort of, I sort of get the pride people have in living in New York, because if you didn't have pride in living there, you'd be a terrible fool. Like, why else, why else would you live there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, the city's trying to fucking kill me, but I'm still here. You have to say with pride, because if you say it like this, the city's trying to kill me, and I'm still here. Like you would, it's the same idea, but you look dumb. Yeah, you know. You see people slowly get crushed. Yeah, it's but yeah. People, but New Yorkers have that weird. I've never been in a more polite, helpful city. Like they're like people will if someone goes down, people are around. They're helping people out, mm-hmm. but it's just because it fucks up the rhythm of things. It's not because they care so much that like yeah. you know if there, if there's a trouble, they, they they want to get it solved so they can get on their way kind yes, of deal. Absolutely. And also, people are like they you have this amazing sort of invisible boundary that's like like steel like when you ride a train you know this one thing that started to really fuck me up mm-hmm. you know that every morning you're going to be this close to a fucking stranger like mm-hmm. this like this and you're going to smell his hair you're going to see his pimples yeah you're going to hear him talking to himself you can hear the fucking music he's listening to yeah. and you have to be good with that yeah. you have to be like i'm okay with this i was not okay. okay with that that was the problem is that i could not i could not let go of things like like saying excuse me I could not let go of saying it or of hearing it. So when I would be coming up out of the subway and people are just just like slamming into you. Like yeah. I got I got like I got body checked by an old woman 
who was as tall as this table, right? And she was she was in a hurry and she was going down the street. She fucking slams right into me and keeps walking. And I'm still like after almost a full year would still do something like this. Excuse me. <laughs> I could not let go of it. I could not let go of it because I realized, like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a part of humanity you have to get rid of. And I felt like I wasn't ready to uh You're part of an organism. That. You're part of a large body of cells. A you faulty one. A faulty one, though. Like one that, like... Uh, the, the idea of you saying that with your bow tie on and the whole get up. <laughs> oh, yeah. spectacular. Oh, no, no. That was, Excuse That was me. not lost on me. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might as well have had a monocle. Yeah, of course. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Here's the moment I realized I had to leave New York was I was on a train sitting with other people and um, there was a guy sleeping on a train, but he had taken his shoes off. He was wearing no shirt. Oh, so he was in for the night. Yeah, he was in for the night. <laughs> and it was morning. It was right. morning. Oh, sure. And everybody on the train is just minding their own business. And, and this was the thought that I had. Isn't everybody wonderfully tolerant? Not like, that is fucked up. There's a yes. guy sleeping on the yes, train. Exactly. What kind of city do we live in? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is cool. This is New Yorkers <laughs> yeah. just being New Yorkers, <laughs> hanging out with the guy sleeping on the train. <laughs> I had lost my empathy. Right. I, right, I right. was completely, and I was, and then the following day, I got on the train, and I fucking hated everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is that moment, and it can happen, it can happen anywhere where you are, you know, like you're standing outside in line for a movie, and then later you're saying to someone, ugh, and then this homeless guy came up to us. You know, he's bugging us in line for the movie. Like, you're kind of burying the lead there. The, the lead is, oh, this person didn't have a home. <laughs> and, was, and was begging for food. Like, that's, that's the real part of the story. Not that you were inconvenienced in line to see 2012. <laughs> I'm going to rearrange the show. Eddie, you're in, you're in the batter's box. Oh. Because I'm, I'm concerned about your future. Pepitone, are you ready if I want you now? I know, but she can come out after you. I just don't want you to sit there, like, festering backstage in an Eddie Pepitone-like way. <laughs> I want you to do it out here in front of people, not behind inside of yourself, giving yourself cancer. So let's Eddie Pepitone, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Eddie Pepitone. No, he's going to stand up. He's going to... Eddie, Eddie needs a space. You want to come around here? Come around here and talk to me, buddy. Oh, man. I, you know, first of all, I'm yeah. hearing people trash New York out here. That was them. And I got to tell you. It was them. No, I know. I know. And I just don't like it. I don't like it because New York is my home. And it's where I was cut like a diamond. I... <laughs> No, I mean... <sighs> I was cut by all the people and the pain and, the, you know, the slashing and the, the subways. I used to get on the subways in fear because when I used to get on the subways, and still to this day when I get on the subways, I never know, and this is the great thing about the subway, you don't know if you're going to get murdered. Because there's nowhere to go. And if you have claustrophobia, which I developed later in life, I developed claustrophobia. I do not know why. I, am, I used to be able to run like Seabiscuit or feel like Seabiscuit in an elevator. But there was a point, and I don't know if you ever 
felt this, but I would get on an elevator and I would panic. I was gripped by panic, and that's what New York did to me. It made me a fearful, fearful person, and people who trash New York don't respect fear. You know what I mean? Oh, let's go to L fucking A. Oh, there's no, by the way, this is a very fearful, but you know where, you know where LA rivals New York? It rivals it on the goddamn highways. Yes, no, yes, New York is fucked up. You gotta take a subway with three billion people, their armpits and all that. But how about getting on the 405 any time of the day? And you're Googling and map questing, you can't avoid it this time. You have to go down the 405. Because you don't want to snake into LA's seamy underbelly by the airport, all those fucking neighborhoods. What is Florence? What is Manchester? Nobody fucking knows, especially in this area where they just run back and forth between birds and La Poubelle. Right? They just run back, that's all, everybody, and that's another thing, New York has so much character. LA has like little streets of character. Like when I first got here, it was like, oh, you gotta check out Franklin between Bronson and Tamarin. What a fucking stretch. Oh, there's like three fucking stores. It's got such a city vibe. It was so pathetic. I saw William Macy eating pizza Right next door, that little pizzeria, the place no one remembers. What's the name of it? It's good pizza. What? Pritzies. Pritzies! I saw William Macy. <laughs> William Macy eating pizza there with this fucking kid. It was disgustingly sad because there was no foot traffic. It was just Bill Macy, star of stage. You see celebrities out here and you just want to go Get to a city. Get to a real city. Craig Ferguson was eating there tonight. I saw him on. How fucked up is that? How fucked up is that? And by the way, I don't approve of Ferguson because, no, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Where's he from? Scotland? No, Ireland? Where's I don't he know. from? Who Some, gives a shit? No. Let's say it's Scotland. It's all the same. Let's say it's Scotland. You don't see a guy from Brooklyn going, hello, welcome to late night in Scotland. Why do we have a guy going, oh, hello, welcome to CBS. I don't want to turn that, I'm not xenophobic, whatever that means. No, no, no. No, I have trouble with language because I'm a man of the heart. I fucking, and that's because I live in fear, created by New York. I live in fear, created by living in a city that had much too many violent people. And I am, yes, what? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. My Christmas memory, I'll tell you my biggest Christmas memory. My mother was manic depressive, so her moping, let's just call it moping. She used to mope. That's a nice way of putting it. She was hospitalized constantly. Thank God she's dead. So anyway, my mother, and I know that's not right, Eddie. That's your mother. Come on. Come on. Come on. Our families are nothing but albatrosses. Nothing but albatross. I mean, you have to, living with the same people for more than four years is horrible stuff. 
Horrible stuff. Familiarity breeds contempt. You know all those sayings. Read Robinson Crusoe or whatever books you can get on Kindle. And I don't even know what Kindle is. Do I, you? I have no idea. I hope I get coffee out of this. I like the what the fuck coffee. But let me tell you something. My earliest memories of Christmas, my mother moping around, wanting to kill herself with the electronic shit that was always on the Christmas tree, wanting to like put the lights in her mouth or whatever. And I got drunk on Haagen-Dazs liqueur. How bad is that? I was in a numb, numb, numb state. Jingle bell, jingle bell, <laughs> jingle. No, I just thought I could With my away. mother wandering from room to room, wandering from room to room, going, Son, son, when I'm in the hospital, when you call me, it's like a little visit. And uh, that's my earliest Christmas. <laughs> she used to say that to me all the time. Hey, Eddie, you want a cookie? I, I'm, I'm all for sugar and flour, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to... And this is what I'm going to talk about now, is the whole life process. The whole life process. We all disintegrate and die. We're all disintegrating now. Yes, we're sharing a couple of laughs, but I am trying to look good lately because I want praise. I love... I love when I walk in a room... Take it, take it. How's it feel? I love when I walk in a room and people go, you look great. And I go, that's because I'm denying myself pleasure constantly. And it's such a hard thing. I used to smoke pot all the time. And that's great because if a bad news item comes on, which there's nothing but, you're just, in, instead of getting horrified by a bad news item with pot, you're just like, low right. Get a little higher. No rider. It doesn't matter what the news story is. I always dance to low rider in my head if I am stoned. But now, since I want to cut out sugar and flour and be sober, oh, I'm sober. I, I am completely sober because I want to be completely present for the horror that is 2009 America. Right? What the fuck? I have all my friends now watching a show called Jersey Fucking Shore. What is this? You shouldn't hate New York. You should hate Jersey. That's what you should hate. That fucking shit. But anyway, I'm denying myself pleasure. I don't fucking eat flour. I don't have sugar. I walk around. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I just walk around going, um, um, um. And it's hard. That's, that's the angry ohm. That is the that, angry ohm. Yeah. Like, so it's, I think it's supposed to be like, oh, oh that's maybe where I'm missing it. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. You feel good? <laughs> Eddie Peppertone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for getting me out early. That was great. Did you guys do the other In about two hours, Eddie will uh, email me saying, was it okay? Was it okay? Was it okay? But no, but he was great. He's always great. Eddie Pepitone's always great. Sarah, are you there? Do you, are you bringing your guitar out first? I know. Okay. <laughs> Can't you ruin the surprise? Now it's all me. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Silverman!
you know, we all we all have insecurities, and it's maybe something to embrace after a while. You know, that something that doesn't make us different; it makes us the same. Whether it's a chip on our shoulder, or not feeling like we're enough, or bragging. I was backstage here. Sometimes people brag, and it's like sad. It's like I was walking out of the bathroom, and another comic was walking in. We were like, "Hey, hey!" and he goes. Hey, are you okay? The last time I saw you, you seemed kind of bummed out. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. No, I'm, I'm fine. I, um, you know, life isn't all rainbows and lollipops. And, and he said, you, you know what? And I said, what? And he said, mine is. <laughs> I'll tell you why New York is good. Insecurity-wise, it made me humble right away, like day one, because I was walking down the street and some guys whistled at me, and I turned around and I was like, Ugh. and they go, "Not you." <laughs> so I learned to appreciate. I learned to appreciate, and um, some people like really, their insecurity is a is a saves them because it's like their their way that they're surviving that they don't really see themselves like they're not really seeing like you get the feeling that if they were like a degree or two more onto themselves they'd kill themselves you know what I mean <laughs> like say a woman like when she was 19 was like smoking hot just crazy now she's a little older say she's a little older like she's 39 not quite as hot. She's not as hot. But she doesn't, she doesn't realize that because she's just, she's always just, she looks out, you know. Okay, so she'd be like, um, this is how she would protect herself, would be like, oh my God, it's so weird because when I was 19, when I was like 19, there were so many official pussy inspectors. <laughs> You never see them anymore. You never see them. <laughs> Fucking computers. Computers took over. We spent so much time thinking if we should, if we could. We don't think if we... Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, oh, here it goes. If you call yourself a diva... You better be a singer. Fuck you. Let's start over. If you call... I'm not a good guitarist. If you call yourself a diva, you better be a singer. Why? <laughs> you, better be, you better be a singer. And not somebody cutting me in line. <laughs> <laughs> if you call yourself a diva You better sing a solo And not be someone treating me unkind Oh, I know what I did wrong If you call yourself a diva It better be for reals and not some sad, pathetic kind of front. 
If you're selfish and you're thoughtless and you're broken and you're heartless, you're probably not a diva, you're a cunt. Cunt, 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 Sarah Silverman, is that, is that called the cunt song? Everyone wants to say that word. They just rarely have opportunity without making someone cry. <laughs> that, is, that is an insane theory all the way around. Everybody wants to say that word. They just never have the opportunity. I never get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> who has the time? Well, if we were in England... Sure. If we were in England, I could say, Paul, you fucking oh, cunt, why'd you do right. that? That's right. And, you and I could be the out. prime minister, and it's fine. Yeah, and it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. How's your Hanukkah? I don't know. I think it's over. No, tonight's the last oh, night. Oh, I've been oh, informed. Good, then. I don't have, I have no religion or, or, or I, family I know, or people. I don't, I don't either. I only feel Jewish because of the people who aren't Jewish that are around. <laughs> <laughs> And it bothers me when it, the whole thing about Jews, when Christmas time comes around, they go, is that we killed Jesus. Just whatever. It's not like we killed the baby Jesus. It wasn't baby Jesus. It was a grown man. Jer Jerry's people celebrate the whole Jesus killing thing. Try to. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the right. Jehovah's Witnesses love the Jesus. Well, they now. tried to kill him. Yeah. No, we didn't. They did. What I've always said is, like, maybe we're involved, it's unclear, but you should fucking quit complaining because you should thank the Jews for killing Jesus. First of all, if we didn't kill oh, Jesus... I do. There's no story. One, there's no story. Two, he'd end up being, like, on his third marriage, on uh, Adam Carolla's podcast, or, like, on doing, like, the Hollywood Squares. It's like if Anne Frank lived it would be a nightmare she'd be like loud and opinionated and she'd be on every game show and she'd be like the wacky cameo in movies and tv for like a stretch and people be actually saying like not fucking Anne frank again how much of her bullshit do we have to put up with i get it she lived oh christ jesus is on tv again what is that guy gonna show his fucking pie all that's how I feel about Maya Angelou. <laughs> uh, another poem? I didn't know for her shit. <laughs> Bullshit. Waya Angelou, more like it. <laughs> I'd high five you, I don't want to get you sick. I don't even know if you touched me. No, I don't think I, I'm not sick any, I mean, I'm not carrying. I'm a carrier. <laughs> 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 
Is there anything that stops sickness? Do you guys know of anything that actually works to stop sickness? Death. <laughs> I was thinking more in terms of something ridiculous like oregano oil or... Yeah, oregano make... oil, olive leaf. Oregano yeah. oil and olive leaf. Did you do that? Yes. So it doesn't fucking work. Well, I... Exactly. Nothing works. Nobody would ever be sick if something worked. Purell, wash your hands all the time. Put salt, hot salt water, gargle it, take a Q-tip. Hate the game, not the player. Put it in your nostrils. I had, I got this sinus squisher thing. Not everyone keeps telling me to get a neti pot, which I'm, yeah, I'm not going to do. <laughs> what? Absolutely do it, everybody, Dana. my God. Those are good. Yeah, Dana wants me to get a neti pot. I talked to her about it the other day, and then, but I got the squeeze bottle. You did that? You fill it up with lukewarm water and salt solution, and you hold one nostril, and you go, and then you pull it up, and then it comes out the other one. And it's like a trick. You're almost like doing magic for yourself. You're like, I never knew I could do this. And it's coming out this one, and you're coughing it up at the same time. It's such a racket, because they've got us convinced that, no, this is good. We're drowning ourselves in front of a mirror. It's going to work. It's going to work. Well, I'm sorry you're sick, Sarah. Are you traveling at all this uh, this time of year? I'm nothing? going to New York City tomorrow morning if, if, if the flight doesn't get canceled. Why would it get canceled? Because, oh, it's going to snow like fuck there? Neti pot! Blizzard! <laughs> Give me Blizzard. a bunch of neti pots on the tarmac. That's... <laughs> People slide down the slide just to dump water in their yeah, nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to drop from the overhead. <laughs> We're dying. Let's make sure our sinuses are clean. Right now, it's my pleasure for this Christmas uh, podcast. I know a lot of people are listening probably Christmas morning after they're wandering around their homes disappointed, hearing, you know, rapping, crumbling under their feet, going, that's not what I fucking wanted. That they're looking for a little dose of the poet, Jim Earl, ladies and gentlemen, with a Christmas poem. Thank you so very much. It is a great honor being here at this special Christmas podcast of uh, Mark Marin. This is a poem for Christians. The rest of you uh, can just go fuck off. I mean, I mean, you know, in a respectful way. I mean, <clears throat> twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, except Uncle Herbie, whose pathetic life at most is an omelet of darkness on top of bleak toast. <laughs> anyway, it seems Uncle Herbie had been up all night celebrating the loss of one more day in his life. He drank past his limit, cramming food down his throat until his kidneys did bleed and his liver did bloat. In his stomach sat a big ball of gluten while the pores on his face looked like cheese they were sputin'. His colon did kink, buckle, and shudder while it oozed a substance much like butter. Oh yeah, Herb's a sleazeball, but wait, there's much more. His son's a pusher, his mother a whore. And all through the night, as his stomach did gurgle, he dreamt of a neighbor's freezer to burgle. While snowflakes did fall to the wonderment of all as the spirit of Yuletide filled hearts big and small. That being said, 
Herb put a bag on his head, making his penis turn blue and his neck get all red. In the morning, the tots were a shudder to find him alone. Just he and his cheese puffs, one hand on his bone. Just then, through the hallway, Santa did skulk. Dragging behind him his big bag of bulk. He laid down the presents one by one, a pile of sawdust, a whole wheat bun, a bucket of bran. And when he was done, Herbie was dead. A vessel broke or something, and Santa was taken downtown for questioning. <laughs> Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jim. So, you know. So you come down here, and, you know, and how long before your wife got sick? Uh, you know, she, I noticed her getting sick during playing tennis, which is weird. We're playing tennis back and forth, and she, was, she wasn't moving as quick and as she was. I said, what's the matter? And she says, my legs hurt. You know, I'm pains in my legs. So we went to the doctor, and, and it was a thing called neuropathy, which meant that, you know, her, her immune system was really low and fucked up. It was causing nerve damage in her body. So that was the beginning of it. And... Um, you know, and it was the beginning of such a, a long and fucking painful deterioration. It was a slow, you know, fucked up time for me, you know, back then. How long did that take? Um, I think she started getting sick. I think it was about a five-year period of, of d- slow deterioration and then, like, these rapid fucked up... With, she had pneumonia, like, 15 times. You know, she was in the hospital and... She was given her last rites a few times, you know, and, and, and survived it and then came back. It was just a brutal, brutal time. And you were her primary caregiver? I was her caregiver. You know, at some point in there, Mark, it clicked in me that that this, that, uh, like, I never thought of leaving her. Like, I never even considered it. I don't, you know, and and I'm today, it's the greatest decision I've made. It's made me... It's the greatest thing I've ever done was care for my wife. You know, I'll never do anything that great again. Fucking HBO specials, whatever you want to give me. Nothing will be better than that because it's, it was such a deep reckoning within myself that I am not a piece of shit, you know, that I don't deserve to stick needles in my arm. You know, I, I am a good person. Look yeah. what I'm capable of. I'm yeah. capable of, of deep love and commitment, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And, um... You know, I, I just, that was my whole life, was taking care of her. And there were a lot of laughs. Were you, were you and, there when she died? Yeah, I was there. Well, actually, I was not in the room when she died. Never left her side. That particular night, her mother had been in town the night she died. And her mother wanted to stay with her alone. And I left her there, and I went home, and that's the night that she passed away. So I kind of, you know, it's not a very big deal to me. I know what I did for her and... and having to be there at, right at the sure, last sure. breath. I, I remember that you shared a story once about de- taking the motorcycle ride. Yeah. What? The story it goes, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it because it's a little bit longer than I'd like, you know. Um, during her last days, she was in the hospice. Yeah. I had just gotten a Harley, my first Harley. I saw you drive up time. on one. Yeah, yeah, I rode up on one today. I love motorcycles. And, you know, she wanted to, well, she came out and saw it, and she got upset. You know, like she was angry at me and she went back inside all pissed off. So I'm like, and it, this gay dude that worked there gets a whole nother group of fucking people that without them, I wouldn't be alive. Gay men fucking saved my ass too. Like, How's that? Just through eight, you know, the, all the AIDS organizations, all, all, all run by gays, the hospices, 
the nurses were all gay guys. Just they, they got some deep, you know, well of love within them. It's yeah. just incredible, you know. And and like my friends, when I'm gonna go, my neighbor, hey Frank, I have HIV. Was that a cable channel? They wouldn't yeah. know what the fuck it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That kind of or thing. They, do you think they would have ostracized you even if they did know what it was? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I got one friend who who's actually a made guy, a, yeah. a gangster. Yeah. And we're still best with friends since we're children. Yeah, he knows all about it. He he would do research for me and call me, Mike. I'm reading about this thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So so the stereotype of that world yeah. is also the, the human beings too. Yeah. Some of them are just violent. You know. Yeah. You yeah. Know yeah. It is. Yeah. But anyway, so. So I learned so much about stuff. And so she goes inside and she was pissed off that I had the motorcycle. So this guy, this gay guy, I forget his name. Let's call him Bill. I, I, says, she, I said, why is she so mad at me? He goes, well, she just feels like you're moving on with your life and you don't love her anymore. Like you have this motorcycle. And, I, you, and he said, you don't need her anymore. Like that was a strange thing. And I realized how much I did need her. Like I loved her. Like she was my best friend. And so... What I did was I went home and I brought some of my work shirts back to the hospice and I brought them into her, her room and said, where Franny, were you working? I was working for the health department. I was an educator, a health educator. Mm-hmm. I'd go out and do condom demonstrations. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's how I started comedy, too. We'll get into that right. after my, how I realized how funny I was with the most brutal shit. So um, so uh, I bring these shirts, these work shirts into her. And she was Sicilian, so I said, Franny, my shirts are a fucking mess. I need you to iron them for me. She got all, fuck you, I'm in a hospice, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. So I went, I left, I come back 20 minutes later, all the shirts are ironed, yeah. you know, she got up. And then she's like, where's the motorcycle? Now she's excited about it. I guess, and that guy was right. She just wanted to know that that I still needed her, like I loved her, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. people aren't dying. They don't know they're dying. They're, they feel, I'm alive Dying is an event. They pass away at one moment. Up until that moment, they are alive and they want to be loved and they want to give yeah. and share, you know, yeah. in that case. So, so she want, now she wants to see that. I take her out. She wants to sit on it. I put her on it. She wants to start it up. Now she's wearing fucking a paper dress, you know, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's got her morphine pole next to her and she's sitting on this Harley and I'm worried about her burning her friggin' leg off. So I'm, I'm, she says... Can you just take me for a little ride around the parking lot? I'm like, no, I can't. I'm thinking, get the fuck. You got a drip IV with? Yeah. And then it just hit me. I'm like, no, you have to. Yeah. Like, you're in this moment. <laughs> you have to do this motorcycle ride. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's dangerous. And what if she falls? And, you know, what if I... One day I'm telling the story. And my wife, she almost died of AIDS, but then I killed her on my Harley. She <laughs> fell off and banged her fucking head. That's yeah. how she... You know, that's a fucked up story. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so... And then that's, that's when I realized, you know, fuck it. Fuck, of course. I was, yeah. So I'm riding around the hospice parking lot. And then my friend comes barreling in this van who's a cripple in a wheelchair, laughing. What are you doing? I said, I'm riding Franny around... Franny's like, can we just go out on the street a little bit? Where's the morphine drip? She holding it? She's holding the pole. <laughs> Mark, it was a pole with four wheels on the bottom. Yeah. And we're riding around this hospital. You can hear the goddamn wheels changling and banging. Yeah. It was insane. And then I passed the front door, and all these nurses are standing out front, and they're, they're all crying. They're watching us, and they're fucking crying. Yeah. And I didn't know why they were crying. I was like, why are they crying? I didn't get what they were seeing. Yeah. I didn't know because I was just in it. I was living it. I, I knew my this my wife 
who had suffered the, the suffering that she had been through in her life. She was a prostitute. She was a fucking heroin addict. You know, she was beaten by fucking pimps. And just, this is her past, you know? Yeah. And, and then she ends up with this AIDS and she's dying. And all she wants is a fucking ride on my motorcycle. You know, what a gift, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. next thing you know, we're on I-95. <laughs> Because women, it's never enough for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're on 95. She's got, she unhooks the fucking pole and she's holding the morphine bag over her head. Yeah. With, a, with her gown on that's yeah. flying up in the air. So you could see her entire fucking naked, bony body <laughs> yeah. with the morphine bag whipping in the wind. <laughs> and I'm dry, and we're passing by these guys in their Lamborghinis and shit. And I'm yeah. looking at them like, what the fuck? How do these people, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, what kind yeah. of life are you living? Look at me. I'm, the, I'm on top of the world here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the last thing I did with her, you know, and, you know, I feel so blessed and lucky. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that was, you yeah. can't ask for a better moment yeah, yeah, in yeah. a memory yeah, than that, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's know. heavy, man. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff, you know, and it's it's what we all, you know, w w the biggest things that we're afraid of are really can be the most beautiful if you look, if you look them right in the fucking eye and you don't flinch. Because there's something really beautiful behind it, you know? Uh, aside from saying Merry Christmas, I'd like to give people a heads up that Mike DiStefano passed away four months after that interview. Uh, it was sad, uh, but I'm certainly glad I got to talk to him. We'll have a new episode on Thursday with Mike Marcus and Dr. Steve. And then next week on New Year's Day, we'll spend the day with my family. Okay. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> Boomer lives.